Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You mean to tell me that feeding ducks bread kills them? <laughs> Don't come at me like I'm some sort of authority. That's what I've heard. Everyone's you, wrong, you, apparently. Yeah, you saw. You said you saw some old people throwing loaves of bread at. It ducks. wasn't like they were. They had a bag full of bread, but it wasn't like the bag that the bread comes in. It was like a carrier bag. They just mashed a load of bread into. It I just, was so I weird. Lied to. In my entire yeah. life, it was just like give give uh, what do you call them ducks? I just what do you call them birds, ducks, whatever, some sort of bread, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. But I don't, I don't, probably I don't not. Know. Do a Google. Come on. Yeah, we've got all the information right in front of us. Speaking of things right in front of us, Sai, you're joining me this week because Jules is getting pulled into meetings left, right, and centre. The future game show doesn't abate uh, for the usual Friday Untitled Banter podcast slot, so the man's away doing a business yet again. But it doesn't <laughs> matter because we're filled with good bods. Sai White, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm in a great mood. We've had a wonderful week. I know. We have a lovely little week. Lovely little week in person, recording all sorts of different things, and which will be rolling out across the next few weeks. We recorded a bunch of quizzes, which we both did very well in. For the, the, no one <laughs> oh, knows yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one knows how we really did. Um, so keep your eyes on the channel for those things. We've got some quizzes. We've got we did a whole bunch of chatties in person. We've got some lovely little bits of content. Um, but speaking of lovely little things, this is the Entitled Partner Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. So you might know what not know what this intro is, but it's the UBP. I've actually been on Scott, I hate to tell you, I've been on this show like twice before. You might have done. My memory's horrendous, as you well know. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> but we always ask for people's um, talking points, questions, whatever little things they'd like us to talk about. And I thought I'd ask people what the most overlooked Final Fantasy was as well. Mainly because I finished Final Fantasy VI this week and I started Final Fantasy IV mm. um, alongside sixteen. I kind of wanted to just do a little a little check-in. I want to see where the community is at in regards to what the most overlooked uh, installments are. So I want to get your thoughts on this in a sec. Um, but we had some replies from people. Uh, Kaylee B. Saxby saying all the Final Fantasy 7 spin-offs are the most overlooked. How can people be mad about more Final Fantasy 7? Of course they aren't like the main game that they're spun off from. That's the point. Let me live my edgelord vampire power <laughs> fantasy. Which is very much a, a nod to Dirge of Cerberus, one of the most hated yes. games of the 2000s. And we also had VK's Vikings Personal Training saying Final Fantasy 15 is massively overlooked and hated on but there's so much to love. The bromance and companionship between the four leads is beautiful. You see the ups and downs of their relationships with a stellar script and awesome voice acting. Ash Trobot saying Final Fantasy VIII is the most easily overlooked, with Jack Jingle saying the same thing. Amazing music and fun, and a fun convoluted story. And then Adam saying Final Fantasy IX feels overlooked. It's definitely appreciated by the hardcore Final Fantasy fans, but most others overlook it despite all the charm it has. It's an ode to the classic Final Fantasies overall. Otherwise, the spin-offs, Tactics Advance and Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story, wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you think for the most overlooked one? The old See, school stuff. There's a there's a thing we call it the Code Veronica effect over on First Days right. by Podcast where enough people plug, say plug, plug. something is overrated, it just becomes rated. Like, mm. And I feel like now, and I absolutely see the viewpoints with eight, nine less so. I think people really like nine, but enough people say FF8 is underrated that I don't know if it is underrated at this point. But I, it's like I absolutely time, see I why why people say. I mean, I really enjoy Final Fantasy VIII, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I, I told you when we were, we were hanging out this last week and mm. I, we were talking about Final Fantasy, as is our want. And I was mm. talking about when I played Final Fantasy VII as a kid, not knowing the way the saga worked or anything like that, and going out to buy Final Fantasy VII, it wasn't in stock, but it was. And I was literally Nigel Tufnell's Spinal Tap, just going like, well, it's one better, isn't it? I'll just get that. That's got to be the sequel or whatever. Uh, how could I go wrong? And then just playing through, that was my first one, playing through Final Fantasy VIII. And so I've always got a soft spot for that game. Like, I've always um, loved, yeah. loved the I mean, the music stands out anyway. It was... It was. My, it wasn't the first Final Fantasy game that I played, but it was the first one I owned myself and played my, just right, by myself. Cool. I remember. I have a memory of sitting in like a restaurant. We must have picked it up, and then while we were out and went for dinner with my family, I remember mm-hmm. sitting in a restaurant, flicking through the instruction manual, and being like, oh. "Okay, so this guy's the cloud." This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I tell so, you what, yeah, I miss instruction I books. I miss um, poring over physical things on the car ride back home. I think, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've talked about this quite a lot in uh, in terms of like the the age group that me and you are both in, but like mm. the idea of reading through instructions, uh, matching like little bits of the streetlights on the you're in the back seat of the car. And you can <laughs> yeah. read a little bit, a little bit per streetlight on the way home. Um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, like you said, Final Fantasy IX kind of gets up there with Final Fantasy VII as like the the main two old school ones that you would give someone. Mm. Like, I forget who was talking to maybe me or you during the week about where they should start with Final Fantasy, and I I said nine as like just a go. I mean, I love seven, but I just feel like you could you could give everyone nine, and it's so yeah. well written and everything. It's kind of like the most well rounded one. Yeah, I remember we were saying, you know, because it released at the end of the PlayStation 1 at that point, they really knew what they could get out of that machine and they made mm-hmm. the absolute most out of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we will get through as many questions as we can, which is to say hopefully we'll get through more than three. Me and Jules tend to average <laughs> about three. But we've got plenty more than three, so a massive thank you to everybody for sending them in. Um, first one from David Goh, who says, what is our favourite game trailer slash advertisement of all time? Even though it was CG, the original Gears of War with Mad World playing always mm. stuck with me. Also, GTA 5's Michael's uh, slash Radio Gaga trailer is still better than most movie trailers today what's your what's your all-time favorite i'm gonna pick another really obvious one i love the halo 3 stuff with the big yes! model what was it called yes! believe i think it's just called that where it's like all the uh sort of military dudes that served alongside master chief oh the little miniature like the um yeah and they're looking diorama back on, type thing looking back on the war that you're about to take place in in the game that you're about to take part in and they're looking mm-hmm. back on what it was like it's a, oh, it's mine's a really, also interesting perspective to have on a game because it's not only is it not showing you the game which okay mm-hmm. is a bit of a faux pas but it's not it's not here's the game taking place in the present it's like here's what happens after the game now you could take place in the events they're talking about yeah i kind of feel about. like the the art there's such a thing to like 2000s trailers but i mean halo 3 was a thing all to itself like oh, i've yeah. long said my favorite trailer of all time is that i think it's e3 2006 or 2007 whatever the halo 3 reveal was mm-hmm. um with the uh it's chief walking through the smoke it's cortana's voiceover yeah, it's the that piece of piano the shield yeah the little bit like dun 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 like that yeah. makes me tear up every oh, time me too <laughs> it's beautiful and so like i i feel like i mean obviously there was a lot more anticipation around then it was like bungie kind of knew what they had and there was all yeah. the development hell on too so it was like we're kind of waiting for this really big deal that halo 3 was going to be and we haven't had that in gaming for a while like, there hasn't been any long-standing franchises where we're like dying for the next story chunk kind of thing like something where you can really nail the trailer reveal 
it's the next big one has got to be GTA 6 isn't it that is the unifying yeah. moment like you cannot deny that that's going to be the biggest thing ever when it comes out mm-hmm. so yeah that trailer is going to be one of those make or break well not even break it's just going to be make moment there's no way they don't hit with it right <laughs> it's going to be massive I kind of I wonder how many or which company will throw the most money at Rockstar so they the get the yeah just like the, the Rockstar <laughs> yeah. logo comes on screen like whatever that's in front of yeah. um, will be a huge deal but yeah me and you both on the Halo train Halo three was life defining like did yes. you get the special editions did you um, fork out for the fancy ones not for, for three I got Halo twos I got Halo right, twos okay. that was sort of it's Steelbook before Steelbook's yep. a really a popular thing but oh, uh, where yeah. do you come down on Steelbooks we've I've talked about Steelbooks quite a lot are you a are you a Steelbook gal. <sighs> I, do you know, I, I'd be more inclined to buy a special edition that has a steelbook if it didn't also yes. come with a regular case. I don't <laughs> want two cases on the, on the side. That's for, become like for a one thing game. these days. You get, you get one of yeah, each, it's and it's weird. like, no, I'm building a collection here. I don't want like an extra thing. Yeah, just, just put the game in the steelbook. It's not that hard. <laughs> Nintendo do it all the time. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's a Link's Awakening. Um, they gave me like a, it was a Game Boy, like the Steelbook looked like a Game Boy, but then you also got the regular one as well. And I'm just like, this is just a useless Is that Metroid? At this point. No, Link's Awakening. Um, oh, they did that for uh, the whatever, Metroid yeah. 2 remake as well. I bought the special edition uh, for that. And it came with a really cool sort of Steelbook case that looked like the Game Boy cartridge. But then it also came with a regular case as well. (laughs) Okay, cool. So this just goes back in the box then, I guess. Do you want some more plastic? Um, Question from (laughs) Sloth Bush, who says, Remake one, delete one, play one for the first time. Burnout 3 Revenge, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Resident Evil Outbreak. The most random mashup games I know, but all (laughs) gems in my opinion. Thoughts on this? I love the specificness of this. <laughs> I love that Sloth Bush knew what he wanted, knew what they wanted. Sloth Bush gonna get doesn't it. mess around. No. Do you know what's funny? I only really played Resident Evil Outbreak for the first time a few weeks ago, to be honest. Like, ah. I dabbled, but uh, I, I never really PS2 got into it proper. online one? It is, and that's why I didn't right. want to play it too much, because it's like, mm. you're not playing it right if you can't play it online, which, mm. to be fair, when the game launched in the UK, we didn't have the online functionality as it was, which is mm. terrible. Um, but now the game, you can play it online on PC, there's a community out there for you to get it to set up, play it with friends mm. the way it's supposed to be, and it's... Oh, it's wonderful it is. So I remember that, tough. and this is just the old people podcast at this point, but I, feel like I remember <laughs> when uh, Metal Gear... <laughs> Media of the same cultural talking point. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I uh, I remember when this thing launched and Metal Gear Solid 3's uh, subsistence mode launched as well. And it was like, those were the first, like, all, for, for me at least, the first like online PS2 experiences because I couldn't get Final Fantasy XI because it was like a membership subscription thing. And so it was like Metal Gear Online and uh, Resident Evil, but I, cu- I couldn't get Resident Evil to work. There was like a mm-hmm. membership thing or something. Um, but yeah, if, 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 uh, if I was going to go down this list, remake one, delete one, play on for the first time, it's almost in that order. Um, remake Burnout 3 or just make Burnout 3 Revenge available that game yes, should right? be available absolutely um, I never cared about Oblivion I know it's a massive hot take but I just I just really didn't jive with that game at all um, I came on board with Elder Scrolls with Skyrim and mm. then um, I've never played I managed to get online with Outbreak so I'd have to play that for the first time I'm just I'd say I'm in a complete agreement <laughs> like yes. yeah sacrilege though it may be and this will probably be an unfolding talking point the longer I'm at what culture but like Western <laughs> RPGs just don't do it for me like ah. I appreciate what they do but I just can't stick with them and mm-hmm. so sorry everyone I just I don't that, feel like I would miss whole... Oblivion <laughs> No, we should do a whole thing on that. I like the idea of like fleshing that out because I feel like there was that whole thing in the in the run-up to Final Fantasy 16 coming out where um, Skillup, the YouTuber, was in that um, press conference for Square Enix and they were talking about the the term JRPG and what that's come to mean and what it has meant mm. for the last few decades and that mm, distinction sure. between the two. And I think that like yeah, like it is interesting because like to a more like Eastern or Japanese audience, they're just making RPGs. It's just that we call them JRPGs, but yeah. they do have 
identifiable tenets and tropes and everything else. Like, I'm with you. Like, I, overall, I prefer quote-unquote JRPGs. But, like, still, I think that's interesting. Perspective is everything, isn't it? Because we, mm. yeah, because we have that sort of unique perspective where we look at it from that direction and go, oh, interesting international RPGs that come from overseas, whereas mm. theirs is completely flipped. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a weird thing. Yeah. Question from Matthew McGowan, who says, what was your first platinum? Been playing through Rogue Legacy 2, which reminded me that the first Rogue Legacy was my first platinum trophy. Um, mine, I think, is actually Astro Boy or Boss or whatever you call it on the PlayStation yeah. oh, 5. Because yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes you get it. It's so easy. Mm. And uh, I've never been a 100% person. I always get mm. sick of collectibles. And what I play everything as much as I can, but there's always just... I mean, I've got loads of games on like 96% completion or whatever it is. <laughs> because I can never be bothered to go find the 100 pigeons or the 20 statues <laughs> or whatever. I just don't care. I remember that part of me dying when I played Assassin's Creed and they wanted me to get all those flags yes. in the original one. And I was like, I, I'm not, I can't. I'm not doing it. And so it was that. It was GC Force Pigeons as well, where I was like, I'm done with these things. And so um, I think it was, it wasn't rather until the PlayStation 5 when I, I, I think it was that was my first Platinum. I do have the um, Final Fantasy, actually, no, it might be the Final Fantasy 7 remake. They're both in the same year. So it was, okay. um, that was just something where I worshipped Final Fantasy 7 so much that I was sure. like, I'm going to rinse everything out of this remake. Um, and that game's hard mode is a big old dick. But yeah, I <laughs> didn't do that one for that reason and some others. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I like you. Sort of, sort of come late to it because I didn't have a PS3 and I didn't have a PS4 for the longest time because I was Team Xbox. Yeah, um, so As will we all? Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Team yeah. My first platinum was mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn, probably unsurprisingly. Oh, nice. I think at this point, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I did that, and then they did the update as well, where they got the new game plus and hard, ultra hard, and they put that in a separate folder. Bless them. Mm-hmm. So I not those two out as well. That. So we're not forced to go through the super. I'm hard literally mode writing about how mad that makes me right now for something. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was a thing. Before that, mm-hmm. though, I don't. I'm like you. Generally speaking, with achievements or trophies, I don't care too much unless I get to about 96%. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to look and see what's left to see if I can do it. Um, the first... I've never done that thing that some people do where they plan from the beginning. Like, oh, I'm going to get everything. Generally speaking, no. If I nah. want to play a game, I want to just play the game, right? I'm yes. not there to do the checklist. I think with mm. Xbox, it's the same thing. I never got the sort of 1000G with many games, with the exception of mm. Resident Evil 5. I did all of that. And then they did the DLC after I'd sold the game. And I was like, well, now I've got an incomplete <laughs> list. You've added more achievements, you buggers. I can tell you what my first um, 1000G was, uh, which is funny for me and you doing this podcast. It was Lost Via Domus, the lost tie-in game. What? <laughs> Your face. What? You know, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I was blacked out uh, laughing so much there. The, um, the <laughs> Lost tie-in game was called Via Domus, and they had, I think, all of the actors reprised the roles from the Lost TV show. But at the very end of that game, spoilers for a game from like 2004 or whatever it was, but that game ends with your character trying to escape the island. And mm. then uh, seeing after you've met everybody and you've done all the trying to get off the island, so if you make a raft, you're escaping. And then you look up into the sky and the plane crashes over you with everybody on. Oh. And then they cut to black. But it, just, it doesn't. It can't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense no. like the TV show. Um, but I, as a massive Lost fan, four eight fifteen sixteen twenty three forty two I had to get everything. So I hundred percented that whole thing, um, and that was my first hundred percent completion. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, first platinums and stuff. I feel like uh, yeah, if you haven't got Astro Bot or Astro Boy, I'm blanking on what the full name of that thing is. I think it's Bot. Um, that's a very easy platinum to get if you if you do want to get one. Mm. Um, question from Ash Trobot who says, "What's the best Metallica album and why is it Ride the Lightning?" 
because it's ride the because it's ride the lightning. It might, to be fair, it might be ride the lightning. That title track, something else, isn't it? I used to always say ride the lightning, but I I probably is that. I just feel like it might just ha- it might just have to be the black album for what it means, what it meant to them, that what is it did fair. to metal, what it did to hard rock, like That's what it did to music history. Fair. I'm yeah. I'm not a particularly I don't really rate the first album at all. I know people go mad for it, but for me, really, just, kill like, them all. It doesn't doesn't that it just all oh. with, the se- with the exception of maybe seeking destroy. They all kind of uh-huh. sound the same to me. Uh, whereas Ride that, the Lightning, true, they really yeah. started to find their sound as well. So mm-hmm. that absolutely helps. And then mm-hmm. the other one I would shout out that goes up there, but it misses because of production a little bit, is mm-hmm. Justice for All after that, where they started mm-hmm. getting really proggy and that appeals to a certain time in my life as well. Mm-hmm. There's some fantastic tracks on that record. Did you ever listen to um, And Justice for Jason? The like the fan remake Yes, thing. somebody yeah. added the bass track back <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, bringing the bass back <laughs> in. I, I've got such a soft spot for that. I mean, that I I think, again, I think I might have talked about this with talked about this this week um i think my entry point well my entry point for metallica was saint anger because i watched the some kind of monster documentary and then came in on saint anger so i sort of hit them at their worst and then went back over from there i had heard for whom the bell tolls which is from by the lightning but then it was like because i hit them at their lowest i just got to experience everything else all the weird 90s era and everything else very similar i was not a mm. fan for a long time i just sort of poo-pooed it, it was like sort of old man metal <laughs> uh-huh. um and then i did get into it the most and yeah, the most recent album would have been St. Anger, just sort of coming up on Death Magnetic. And I also watched Some Kind of Monster uh, right. with some friends. And <laughs> do you have a story that you're like, this is so dumb and I shouldn't bother to tell it. <laughs> but there's a part in that where they're sort of all sat in a room trying to come up with lyrics for Frantic. Do you remember yep. this? Oh, God, and, yeah. And, and, and Lars Ulrich just starts going, searching for donuts, searching for donuts. <laughs> so we wrote an entire version of Frantic about donuts. So there you go. That's what me and my friends got up to when we were nineteen because we were cool. That, um, <laughs> the thing that that you were that thing with the uh, that the therapist comes up with, where it's like my lifestyle determines my death. Style. Oh, that was like, off of him, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil Towel or Toll that. that yeah, thing yeah. Called. But um, teenage me was like, yeah, oh, that's that's the best lyric you're ever going to write, Metallica. That you can't get any more truthful than that, guy. It's a very it's, Metallica um, lyric, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've got Metallica tattoo at this point, so I'm a I'm a large fan. Um, but when did you come down the new album before we move on? Did you have you listened to seventy two? I've actually not listened to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I listened to the singles and I was like, yeah, so it's, it's all right. You know, it's a weird one. It was, it was, it was very much a grower. Like I, I really mm. liked Hardwired at least the first half, and then I loved Spit Out the Bone. Um, but like, Spit yeah, the, the new one. Great. Yeah, I think, I think Spit Out the Bone is the best thing they've written since like the old albums. Like, if you're gonna pick one specific yeah. song, like it's yeah, just so probably. complete. Even though Hammett's solos are still abysmal, <laughs> but what can you do? Man's yeah. improvising everything. Um, <laughs> so there is that. A question from Willie Araya, who says, since the Activision Blizzard deal is the gift that keeps on giving, what are our thoughts on the juicy behind-the-scenes stuff we've learned about the industry across these hearings, like Sony first-party budgets or Microsoft predictions for the PlayStation 5 Pro? Have a lovely and very nice weekend. Yeah, general thoughts on this stuff. I've not, I've not been following it day-to-day. It's just a general a general thing. Yeah, I have tried to not follow it too much because it's exhausting, isn't it? It's like this never-ending <laughs> yeah. story, and you don't want to read... Who wants to read all the sort of legalese of it? But like at the same time, whilst it's exhausting... Stuff like this is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, here we go. Like, Just give me the back and forth. They're great. Recently, about, they were talking about the specs for the next Nintendo console as well and the expectation. Yes. I know you guys talked about it. You and Josh talked about it on a news video, I think, talking about mm-hmm. sort of the expectation of the Switch 2 or whatever mm-hmm. and how that might interact with 
future Call of Duty titles. Just them randomly like, leaking it in the middle yeah, of the conversation. Yeah, that's the first so. time we've heard anything, I think, for sure. About been a while, yeah. There was like console. there was a, a Jason Schreier had a thing a couple of years ago where mm. someone at like a warehouse was like, yeah, we're working on it, and then yeah, like, but that's the same they, thing what we whatever. were saying this morning about. Oh yeah, we're making Elder Scrolls Six. Well, yeah, you're not going to not make a new console. Like, we're not going to be playing the Switch in 2042. Yes, like, yeah, it's always going to come out at some point. The, the most recent thing, at least I think it's the most recent that is at the time of recording, is um, The Last of Us 2's budget being $220 million. Yeah. And um, and that's sort of opening up this conversation of, like, you know, is the AAA market at that level sustainable, which is the thing that um, I'm blanking on the dude's name, but the guy that left before Jim Ryan came in at PlayStation, um, that guy said, like, you know, the, the, the amount of money they're spending on first party stuff isn't sustainable and they, they would be better served trying to, you know, pay for X number of other smaller games instead because you're putting so many eggs in those baskets and if they don't land it's just disastrous obviously in sony's case they have landed for so long and so many in a row but um, but at the same time i mean I, I massively back that i would rather you took gta 6's budget and just made 20 rockstar games or something like that i i absolutely get that and it does remind me of earlier days where it felt like there were it was a less divide between the th- like four big games of the year that all mm. they put all the eggs in the, that basket uh, and then, you know, it used to feel like there was just more titles of varying different size and importance, whereas now True. it's like, here's the big ones. The mm. only problem now is that we obviously, as an industry, we're suffering a lot with games that are just not finished. They just don't work mm. as it is. So what is going to happen if that was the approach? You get just a legion, a legion of games <laughs> that all come out in even worse state than we've got now. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I just it, think that, like, it's... I mean, on, on the Xbox side, obviously, they don't even remotely have the level of polish, like Redfall being oh, their gosh, most recent no. thing. Um, also, Sean Layden's the dude I was thinking of. You can go look up right. all of his quotes um, coming out of Sony. I think I think his perspective on the industry is fascinating because he's been mm. there on the, the front lines greenlighting these projects and then himself saying, like, yeah, this is nuts, the amount of money they need to put into these games to maintain this bar. Um, it's kind of crazy but um, yeah overall I mean there's that thing there's like the budget side of it there's the the way that like the first party catalogs are coming together but I think overall the way that um, Xbox's um, like approach to this has been hilarious where they're just sort of like we're, we're terrible at this we're in third <laughs> place we're selling nothing uh, we need like and they are as well I mean I appreciate people the look honesty at the... <laughs> yeah. it is nice isn't it selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. 
With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. But it's a weird thing to like, it then made people sort of retroactively look at the last sort of 20 odd years of Xbox and be like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I mean, I like I would think that it was ridiculous that they didn't acknowledge how runaway the 360 was. There was so much energy around that, you know, the, um, era they did so, so well. And like, yeah, they fell off at the very end, but like they just had to ignore that for the sake of making their case in the legal document that they were like, well, we need this Activision deal because we're just so terrible at everything else. And that's, <laughs> that'll give us the games and we don't have the games and everything else. And I was just not like, well, the sympathy vote. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, you guys are not coming out of this. <laughs> like, please, 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 can we have Activision um, to get us through? So, yeah, I think the the, the legalese side of it or, like, the, um, the legal posturing side of it has been, like, fascinating because it's been a lot of Sony just going, like, we hate them and we hate this and just squish it into the ground. Um, and then Xbox being like, you see? You see how titanic they are? They don't let us live. And I'm just like, that's kind of a hilarious approach. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious, but it's also very sad when you realise they're just two big corporations crying yeah. like babies. It's a bit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, hard, uh, yeah, it's hard to really care. But True. We'll see how it all shakes out. I imagine it's going to go on for another couple of years. Like, I just, it's the fact that the, like, the various different countries, yeah, some people I have blocked so. it, some people have approved it. Yeah. I just, it's such a thing. It, it's kind of all hinged on the FTC like specifics at the minute and whether they block it and whether that because that's such a big entity and then it was like the UK's CMA have never had mm -hmm. a monopoly ruling overturned which is a whole thing but anyway we'll see what happens it'll be with us for the next few months say, we're going to be talking about it for the next few years so yeah, yeah. almost definitely um, question from Jack Asbury who says UBP 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 seeing the Ubisoft roadmap for Assassin's Creed in the, in the video that me and Josh did is mm -hmm. giving me massive franchise fatigue why does it feel like Assassin's Creed is being this given the same level of care as something like Zelda or The Last of Us even Call of Duty feels like it gets more love than Assassin's Creed. Um, also, Rhino uh, messaged in and said, "Will we take a multiverse where Ubisoft never made Assassin's Creed if it meant all their future make future games weren't hampered by the Ubisoft formula that they now have?" Uh, so, Can you imagine. 
<laughs> yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, just, just the Ubisoft of old, where you just you have like a bigger variety of game mechanics, a bigger variety of IP in general, and they're just not trying to put a tower and a map unlock system in everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set some people off here. Remember <laughs> Rayman? Yeah, oh, you know Rayman Legends, I... Rayman Origins incredible yeah what happened to that i don't again <laughs> i don't particularly assassin's creed doesn't do a whole lot for me and like i know it's obviously got its super fans who some of them which i don't know maybe are really excited about the roadmap it certainly seems there are people out there like cool you know especially because yeah. the games that they've announced do sound pretty cool like the japanese mm-hmm. one and whatever else mm-hmm. um but yeah to say i don't know it seems odd to be like why isn't it being given the same care as zelda which takes six years and the last of us which is this you know the artistic integrity of that game is mm-hmm. pretty solid to a point mm-hmm. it's like i don't know it, it's not it's not the same kind of franchise to me it's ubisoft have always been since assassin's Creed's beginning we were just like how can we squeeze this as much as possible like it's yeah, never been a- treated with that kind of reverence no, which is, that's one of the things on, like, you talk about, like, GTA or something, or, like, Rockstar mm. stuff. It's, like, because at the top, you've got Take-Two publishing, and it was, like, Strasselnik saying, like, well, if we hammer this, then it ruins the um, popularity of the brand, the valuability exactly. of it. Like, you need and to rest it. I like, should clarify as well, is I don't think it, even if I don't like it, I don't think that it doesn't deserve that. It's just Ubisoft have never treated it like that, so I don't think they could mm. dial it back and be like, Assassin's Creed is a big deal, unless they took, well, like, yeah. a six-year break. Then maybe, well, yeah, but the thing they, is, like, they're not going to do that. No, and they're in such a terrible place right now. Yeah, like I, they like, need I remember it. when um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint came out and sold mm. so disastrously. It was like 93%. They lost like 93% of their operating income or something. It was like some insane statistic for just how much money that thing cost them and it didn't make anything back or whatever. And then it's like Far Cry's kind of just in a rut at the minute. Assassin's Creed's kind of yeah. there. But it's like we're talking about a whole range of like middling like um, general energies around these IP. And then they just have so many boxes to take and shareholders to please that it's like, well, I guess we'll just green light 11 games. Like there's 11 Assassin's Creed games in production um, to varying (laughs) degrees of production. Just to attempt to sort of like coast by um, or try and get by. But um, yeah, as you know, I feel like Assassin's Creed doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it's it's malleable to a fault. And the uh, Patrice Desley, mm. who originally set it in motion, is just nowhere to be seen anyway. <laughs> so it's not like it's going to have any sort of authored feel to it. But um, yeah, an, an alternate universe where um, all the Ubisoft forming stuff didn't happen, then assumedly you'd get more luscious 2D animated stuff. You get quality over quantity at the very least. Yes. Do you remember the, the era we had like it was Rayman Legends and Rayman Origins and we had Valiant Hearts and we had yeah. the um, Child of Light like they had that Ubi oh Art Child program. of Light what a game yeah. <laughs> and it was just like that really like gorgeous little run where they were just sort of prioritizing artistic like and then visual styles and aesthetics and everything I kind of feel like that's what EA's Originals program is at the minute yeah and, um, it's not as consistent but like yeah, yeah. it's just Ubisoft could have been could maybe they can call it back but they're not in a great place at the minute yeah um, question from Pinky who says I'd love to hear what we all think. About about the Red Dead remake news. Also, would we be able to tell him anything about the upcoming Baldur's Gate 3? Give me all the D&D, he says. Um, the D&D details, I assume. Now, I'm, I'm waiting for Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I was a Dark Alliance kid back in whatever year that was. Um, but where are you on Baldur's Gate and what do you think of the Red Dead remake? I'm not much of a PC gamer, really. So mm. it, it's kind of outside of my radar. I say really, like at all. Like So it's outside of my radar. <laughs> that being said, I have friends that are like super keen on it. And the more they talk about it, the more it I'm like... It is a big deal. I'd love to try it. I think my PC would just like cascade down into hell if I <laughs> tried to boot it up. It would just like sink through the earth. Well, it's, uh, the thing. it's, it's on consoles. But I saw that thing that like Xbox, uh, Microsoft had to send some engineers to Larian Studios to get the Xbox version to work or something. So it must I, be pretty hefty. Yeah, I, I guess I'd be tempted to give it a go on console. But it 
you mm. just know historically it, it feels like it has to be played on PC to get the yeah. full sort of you know weight out of it and just feel like the right way. You mean to you play don't want to pilot a cursor around a screen with an analog stick? No, it's my favourite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Wakes me up in the morning. Wait. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So yeah, I'm absolutely. I'd like to keep my eyes on it. Whether or not I, I'll play it, I don't know. But. Uh, mm. Yeah, it depends. It depends. I I'm kind of hoping it's like a more because I, I I tried Diablo three ten years ago. It didn't click for me, and I've got Diablo four. But I'm so I'm not bored by it, but it's so repetitive, and I yeah. kind of just hope that Baldur's Gate uh, is a bit more of like a focused character build. I don't know, I like the get the feeling you know, it's more, more story driven and stuff like that, right? Isn't it? Yeah, so... there was some statistic about like thousands of hours of cutscenes or something. Wow, nuts, and I was okay. just like something crazy about how much like stuff they've put in there, and obviously mm. it is a big deal and everything. Um, Red Dead Remake. Were you a Red Dead fan? Yeah, um, I've dabbled. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I really love the aesthetic. I mean, who doesn't love the original game? It's mm. fantastic. I've still not played the sequel. It's sitting on my shelf. And oh. I'm just daunted by it because it's just like I know that it takes millions of hours to complete. And when am mm-hmm. I? If I have, if I start, when am I going to find the time to really? Hey, if get you ever need, it? if you ever have trouble sleeping, play Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I am severely tempted on a regular basis to to give it a go. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. finding the time amongst everything else that I want and need to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's. I think it's a good idea. I think they should do it. Like it's a good. Might as well. Yeah, as long as you know they give it enough attention that it comes. They don't need to do a whole lot to it. I don't think. Just bring it up to standard. Not really. That'd be a good holdover until GTA Six, right? So yeah, it's like do they make it play like Red Dead Redemption Two? Is it weightier and stuff like that? Like I kind of did. You play Red Dead Revolver? No. No. Whatever it was, I would love. I mean, I I think think that's on. Yeah, it's like yeah, it was like Capcom or whatever. It's like it's on the PlayStation Classics collection thing, um, like not the one that you get for the monthly fee, but it's on. Right. That, they did that run of like old school PlayStation Classics that are still on the PlayStation Store, like Ape Escape Two or whatever. Mm. And um, yeah, I would take like a sort of upresed or smoothed over sixty FPS version of that because it's such a different take on a like a Western style <laughs> game. It's very arcadey and everything. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, question from Lord Cola Canth who says, pick three franchises: one that needs a reboot, one that needs a remake, and one that needs a straight sequel. Gut feeling, Sai. What do you think? Okay. Uh, one that needs a remake, Legacy of Kane. Yep. Soul, Soul Reaver specifically, obviously. We'll start mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Everything already exists for you. You don't really need to change anything. Let's just go back to where we were and just start oh, kicking it off again. Meaty combat. Oh, yeah. Fantastic, unique yeah. visual style that's still not really ever been aped properly. Uh, thankfully, I guess. Uh, one that needs a straight <laughs> remake, uh, straight sequel for me immediately... Viva Pinata! It's never going to happen. I kind of don't want it to happen because the rare team is, you know, is not the rare that it was. Everyone's left, mm. and so it's not. But I love those what a pick, games. though. I yeah. love hundreds of hours into both both of those games. I I always had all my friends play Viva Pinata, and I never did. So I've still never touched Viva Pinata. I'm assuming it's on the Xbox like Game Pass thing. Maybe it's on the archive. I or think so. Replay it's thing? on the rare replay, I think, as well. So right. uh, it should be accessible okay. enough. It needs mm-hmm. a Switch port. That's the tri- the reality for it. It'd be great on Switch, but considering that Xbox and Nintendo are trying to like pretend that they're friends, that would yeah. be something to sort of yeah, put do across that. there. Just do that for what me, would you, please. What would you fully reboot? Ah, oh, that one. I'm having, I'm having troubles with that. Go, you go. Mm. Right? Let me have a think about. Uh, Legacy of Kings is the first thing that came to mind for me. I think I don't know if I would put that in the reboot thing because it's been so long that I'd be curious if you give that to a new team and just sort of say, okay, what kind of stories do you want to tell in this world? And maybe you don't yeah. play as Raziel or Kane. And maybe, I mean, that's what they tried with Dead Sun. And you saw, I forget what the name of the character was in Dead Sun, but I like the idea of maybe telling a story of a, a different vampire who's bitten by Kane and then sort of like doesn't fully turn or something. And maybe you're just, you know, because Nosgoth's such a cool environment. Like, yeah. I love Legacy of Kane so much. I'm like, maybe you flash that out. And then maybe you have to fight Kane again, or you discover the 
there's this this wraith who might help you and it's Raziel and whatever. I'm like, maybe you can do that. And it sort of like does like a, almost like how the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy started where it's like we're sort of new people mm-hmm. and we're interfacing yes. all these elements that That's were left behind idea. kind of thing. Thank you. That might be cool. Um, a straight sequel, I'm going with Sifu. I absolutely effing yeah. love Sifu Fantastic. from a couple of years ago. And uh, they've just found, uh, finished their season pass stuff, and they've like, um, it, you know, that game's been treated really, really well, and everything. And I just want more of that game. I love the combat mechanics. I love all the environmental finishes and everything. And I think there's more you can do with that. Um, I just miss martial arts in games. Mm. I want to roundhouse kick more stuff in the face, <laughs> and so I just want that. Um, games that need a remake, I'll go Final Fantasy VI. Um, only because I've just finished it and I did. What a shout! Well, see, so I I want them because the thing is, if you play the Pixel Remaster, um, you know the opera scene in Final Fantasy VI, mm. which obviously it's a big old thing. Um, in the Pixel Remaster, they do that in the HD 2D Octopath engine, just oh. to like to make it look all 3D. The sprites are 2D, but everything else is 3D, and it's like a, a nice little glimpse into like what it would look like if that was done properly. And um, I forget the name of the specific dev, but there was um, there was a report that someone within Square Enix, there was a a, a petition had done the rounds or something like that, a group of people within Square Enix had apparently asked the higher-ups if they could remake Final Fantasy VI. And it just seems like they know exactly what they're doing. And you get enough of a little tease of it in, in VI itself if you go back right, to the Pixel okay. Remaster. So I would take that. I would remake Final Fantasy VI in the HD 2D engine. Yes. And I think that would be like one of the, easy, the easiest things to do. Yeah, slam dunk, isn't it? Because you don't want to do too much to that game. I don't think you mm. want to do like a full 3D thing with it because you've got you know worries there that you're going to ruin it in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I always thought it's because... Three and four got DS remakes and they just kind of stopped yep. and it was like, yeah, okay, where where's six? Where's the you know? There's a lot of love for six. Yeah. They've not done anything. I think with like it. six is like kind of like if you talk about the overall like Final Fantasy community or whatever, six always seems to be the one that gets that reaction of like, yeah. oh my god, six. And I only just went through it across the last last few weeks and I still get that. I still think it's like super charming. The music's gorgeous. Yep. Oh, I had course. a thoroughly awesome time with it. Um, so it's almost like the. Almost like the real fan favorite, like the wider mainstream favorite is seven, but it's like if we're right. really getting yeah. serious, it's probably yeah. six. Totally. I've got a weird reboot for you then. Do it. <laughs> they, well, they need to do something with F Zero. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, that's, yes. That's obvious, and I mm-hmm. think the worry is that what happens when you just make a new racing game? How can you create a new franchise out of that? They need to do something with. I think if you bolt on a different genre to it and, and maybe take advantage of Captain Falcon as a character and the fact that he's apparently a bounty hunter and implement some kind of open world thing where you're going around doing stuff it's like Star don't, Fox Adventures but F- yeah F- don't make it don't, it doesn't have to be super gritty and dark and violent obviously because it's a mm. Nintendo game but like that kind of <laughs> cyberpunky style of him wandering around a city where you know all the like with wrestling where it's ridiculous where all the disputes in the world are you know resolved by pinning someone to the map for three seconds and then they get over <laughs> it this world everyone's obsessed with racing right that's how yes. everything is solved so yeah. they need to make a big open F Zero that that really focuses on the wrestling, the wrestling, <laughs> the racing. Put wrestling but in lets it. you yeah. do, yeah, lets you do wrestling as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let Captain Falcon do the Falcon punch. Yeah, and exactly. Do, like, do an Orange Cassidy style punch or whatever. <laughs> I think uh, that would be. Oh man, that would be great. Like, if he's like trying to like, solve a murder or something, and it's like everyone yeah. knows bits of information like per region, and he has to race them. I'll not tell you unless you beat I mean, me. Exactly, and then you Falcon Just, punch uh, the, uh, the the suspect to the end. <laughs> you Falcon punch the information out of them, and they won't <laughs> reveal it. That's such a shout. There was a um, quote doing the rounds from someone at Nintendo as well, talking about how they always wanted to do more with F Zero, but they couldn't because Mario Kart gets the spotlight. Exactly. So it feels like you know F Zero has always been out there. Do something new. 
Yeah, like, why not? Um, a question from Elfar Oliver who says, wouldn't you rather, or wouldn't we rather, prefer a Days Gone online game instead of The Last of Us Factions, which Naughty Dog seem to be effing up? <laughs> they already had an open world, hordes, more enemy types, good traversal, and shops for items. Honestly, I just want another Days Gone. Um, love us all and keep it up. Love you as well. What do you Thanks, think Elfar. of the uh, Days Gone versus The Last of us inning of that the modern is... world? I can't believe that that doesn't seem like an obvious <laughs> thing. Like, how has that only just gone ding? You know, like, of yeah, course. Yeah. It's such... Uh, that is just so much more of a perfect fit than The Last of mm-hmm. Us having a multiplayer game. Like, it just... You could have, like, random all... raid stuff as well, that the hordes you were going up against, maybe you come upon a player who's, like, fighting them or yes, something. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, that sort of, like, asymmetrical, where you've got different things going on. You can... Not just fighting each other, but there's an AI element mm-hmm. involved. Yeah, that fits Days Gone so much more than The Last of Us for me, which mm-hmm. uh, even as someone who's not like as crazy on it as some people are, and I re- do enjoy mm-hmm. the story aspects of it, like some of that is a little bit sacred because the story is really important. So you shouldn't, you know, just throw in, oh, we can do a multiplayer game, oh, we can do a battle <laughs> royale. Like you could do some silly stuff with Days Gone because it's not quite as serious. Yeah, that's it, putting thoughts. it lightly. So yeah, yeah well, it I mean, it's not this. Not as much expectation. Like, it's like, no, it, I was always when they announced, you know, doing more stuff with factions. I like Last of Us as original multiplayer, but then when you start mm. talking about live services and talking about fleshing it out and everything else, it's like, they're not known for that at all. And obviously that's the story doing the wrong anyway, is that it's been hard to get it off the ground and Bungie have analyzed what they're going to do and it's not going to work and whatever. Um, but yeah, there's way less risk with Days Gone. I think the Days Gone IP, if it, if it is even <laughs> regarded as this wider thing, is just dead at this point. Like, I yeah. mean, it's... I forget yeah. what you call the creative director, but he's had some harsh words to say about the whole thing. So Not a very pleasant be, man, it seems. Go. Doesn't seem like it. It's like, yeah, he seems to just be, I think he's left anyway. So it's like, I don't yeah. even think, even if he was offered something, he probably wouldn't come back. Next question from Steve, who says, what game has the best character creator in terms of being able to create exactly what you picture in your mind? I've asked around and mostly heard Soul Calibur or Saints mm. Row. I've got to go wrestling stuff. It's got to be right WWE. Answer. 2K22, 2K23, whatever it is. I mean, yeah. the wrestling games have always set the standard. Not the AEW game, because that's got a terrible character creator. You get like five faces and nothing else, <laughs> and you can't wear a shirt in the ring. But the WWE <laughs> ones are really good. And so I would go with that. I was pleasantly surprised returning to wrestling video games after like 20 years, how stellar that stuff is. And you can share them all online and everything else. But um, any picks from yeah, yourself? It's exactly the same. I stepped away from the WWE games for a few years, um, mm. and I got a little bit of time with 2K23 and I don't know 90% of that time was spent creating a character you just, <laughs> and, but I loved it I was having so much yeah. fun messing around with it and you know the fact that back in the day it was so simple there was so little you could do mm-hmm. even less than the AEW game um, but now you can do like <laughs> alternate attires so it takes even longer and I love that I was like oh, I'm going to have a character she's wearing green now and she's wearing pink when this one it's yeah. like yeah it was great and then I played some of the, uh, the story mode and I was like mm, loading screens are killing me um, <laughs> but the character creator is fantastic and that sort of level needs to be in everything or maybe yeah, yeah. quite maybe not that deep but something mm-hmm. approaching it Absolutely. i'll tell you what i really like which get, no game has necessarily done it perfectly yet is the the 2k face capture thing they have and it's <laughs> in like those, the nba yeah. games and um, yeah, and they try it and it never really works Terrible. it always sort of just takes a picture of your face and slaps <laughs> it on a model so bad, and it's it? like <laughs> <laughs> my nostrils are my eyeballs, and I'm like, that's not even remotely what I'm where my head is. Um, but I like the idea of that. I got it quite close to working. I don't even think which game it was now. Maybe one of the NBA games, mm. um, where I was like, oh, that's kind of me, and I sort of added a beard and stuff. And so I, like, I think there's I think there's potential there, but they they seem to have like abandoned it. Is it Game Face or something? It's called. It seems like they've that abandoned sounds right. Soul Calibur is absolutely <laughs> a shout, by the way. Yes. Like, yeah, that's what that's been good for a long time since like. Mm-hmm. 
even two at the time was like, this is really cool. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying this, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I had a lot of fun with them. Um, the Saints Rose as well. Like, I mean, I think like I didn't play, I mean, the 2022 one was a pretty abysmal, but I hold Saints Row three and four way up there. Like I had a lot of fun with them. Um, final question from Darren Martin, who says wanting to try more indie titles. Could I get a top three indies each that I can play on PlayStation five? Much love. Now th- this is always one of those things where it's impossible okay. to then think of something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of mine are so obvious. That's fine. I'll I'll go what my uh, my gut slash brain serves up. First of all, is definitely um, Dredge. That's one of the, my favorite on. games of the year so far. Um, just it's like a fishing game, but there's so much more going on. It's got a really kind of dark, spooky, Lovecraftian heart to it, where there's there's more stuff going on underneath the surface than you think, and there's more story there than you think. And I love the way they roll it out and the various like abilities that you get over time are really really good. There's that game hits such a stride. It's it's quite short. It's only like eight, eight to ten hours long mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but it hits such a great stride where you're sort of going out in the day, you're finding out some little secrets, you're doing a few little missions, you're talking to some characters about what was happening in the the islands before you arrived there and this mysterious book that seems to have gone missing and whatever. And then you're like banking your catches of the day and unlocking new abilities and stuff like that. And I think that game comes together so well. Um, you know, for that sort of middle few hours, I was just, I could not put that thing down. Hmm. Um, I'll also shout out, um, on behalf of Josh Brown, stay out of the house, which is yes, a PlayStation he, 1 throwback he thing. came running towards me to tell me to play that, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's so, great. So I, I got that because he wouldn't shut up about it. But yeah. it's genuinely really, really good. Um, that's a first-person horror game. It's only it's set across, I think, four acts, maybe five. Um, it was originally sort of released in chunks, and now it's available on, P- on PS5. Oh, is it um, on PS5? No, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Know okay. that going in, it, it's ridiculous how smoothly it runs because obviously all the processing power is like freed up but it is an old school PS1 looking chunky yes, as hell game um, but it's great and then I mentioned Sifu before which I cannot recommend Sifu enough if you like good um, you know parry counter based gameplay where you're mastering a set of moves the game will hand you your ass first but <laughs> when you get used to it um, it's such a fun like tactile kind of great combat system and once you get that stuff down like revisiting those old levels and refighting those beginner enemies that initially like you know were hard or whatever and just mashing their face into the concrete <laughs> it's great and so I loved overcoming Sifu so those would be mine um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna start off with horror as well Mm. Say Signalis. Yes, yeah, like, that's a great show. Uh, some uh, some some compatriots of mine did a, a horror game of the year award show. Actually, our friend Ash Millman is going to be part of next year's yes. as well. Um, mm-hmm. And their horror game of the year last year was Signalis. And yeah, not like stay out of the house, but also it is a PS One throwback. It feels sort of, reputation wise, it feels like that was the like it feels like stay out of the house is the Signalis of twenty twenty three. Yeah, I could see that the throwback it's, horror. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Definitely got shades of, you know, MGS1 or even just the Metal Gear games uh, mm. and, you know, Resident Evil sort of inventory management. And it's scary as um, <laughs> another really obvious one is Hollow Knight. Like, oh, Hollow Knight is just a, a great be- beautiful and punishing game. Just mm-hmm. like I did not get very far with it. But I've still never finished Hollow Knight, but I keep going back to it. I've made a save next to when you fight like those three bosses at once, and I'd have to like yes. run, go down some chasm to get there, and then I get wiped out, and I go, I can't, I can't keep doing this, keep doing this to myself. Yeah, that was probably that was definitely because it's sort of a Metroidvania and it expands out in various different ways. That was definitely one of the choke points I got to. Like, and then you go somewhere <laughs> else and find another boss you can't beat. But the the visuals are just really nice. Got a wonderful aesthetic. Mm-hmm. The music's great. So uh, yeah, if you like a challenge, definitely. And mm-hmm. in terms of time investment and sort of reward, 
Can't go wrong with Hades. Another really obvious one, I know. Oh, but like the hell did I Hades again, Hades. same thing. Great music, looks great, sounds great, plays great. You could very easily put a hundred hours into it because <laughs> it's a robot. Hades is uh, yeah. Knock knock all mine off the recommender. Hades is what you need. <laughs> Hades is Maybe the like one. Hades and Seafood, like just the top two. Like, yeah, fair. Hades is a gorgeous game. Like super giant, never miss anyway. Mm. Um, love Bastion, love Transistor, love. Um, I'm forgetting the name. I was going to say Fury, but um, the basketball one they did that I'm blanking oh. the name on. But I'm doing a motion now, which it's an audio podcast, so no one's going to see it. But it's a basketball thing. Yeah. And uh, people will find yeah. it. It was uh, it was phenomenal. That was like, one of my games of the year <laughs> a few years ago. But it's so well written. They're such a great artistically minded studio. And the music doesn't miss. Darren Corb is an incredible com- composer. Um, but yeah, Hades is a great shout. Um, for now, speaking of great shouts, it's every single person who sent a question or a thought or whatever in. Massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions. Um, and this has been the Entitled Panda Podcast. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Cy White. Thanks, everyone. It's always a fun time. I know. Thank you very much for turning up. And we'll catch you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.